I've said many a time that one of the features of AI that I like the most and one that I think gives it significant advantage in education is that it is, generally speaking, not critical and certainly not abusive and certainly not judgmental. It doesn't even begin to convey something along the lines of how many more times do I have to explain this to you? It doesn't, of course, because it doesn't have a body, it doesn't have communication through body language, but even if the voice doesn't convey it, shows the exasperation with the pupil who still can't spell receive or separate or whatever it might be, can't add up or subtract, or, you know, etc. Typical teacher behaviour. And I've known many a teacher, some of them both clever and even wise in some respects, who've openly endorsed the notion that shame is one of the ways that you get children to learn. And I have never thought that. I have never thought that shame in any form makes any positive contribution to anything. On the contrary. So it was a bit disappointing when the other day I was working on the lava and llama project and in particular on their server because their server was a means whereby I could learn something about the architecture in ways that I thought would be useful if my ride AI scheme ever comes to anything. And one of the things that I was using was a very light footprint model. If you go for a full-blown commercial product, something like the GPT systems from OpenAI, there are hundreds of billions of parameters and they require certainly dozens and probably a couple of hundred gigabytes of RAM to run probably more in some cases. So that's not going to happen on your laptop. So you need something that you can use that's a bona fide AI model, but which doesn't overwhelm your poor resources. Although I have to say that my laptop's not that poor. I am, now I've bought it, but you know what I mean. It's pretty powerful. Anyway, the question is, what do you use? And the answer usually is that you use either a, a low, low number of parameters model, which has got maybe 7 billion, like some of Llama, some of Code Llama, some of Mistral, or you go for a quantized model, which I can be forgiven for reminding you is when you take what are otherwise 16-bit or 32-bit floating-point numbers and you squash them down to four or eight, sometimes two. And that 
significantly reduces the footprint of the model. It obviously has other consequences, but it does mean that you can at least run it. And anyway, Google, who released first of all Gemini 1, then Gemini 1 Ultra, now Gemini 1.5, which is the one that supposedly has upwards of a million and maybe even 10 million tokens in its context length scope. But they've also, and those are not uh, free, but they've also released Gemma, which I guess is Gemini's little sister in their verbal joke. And Gemma comes in two flavours, seven, no, I beg your pardon, two billion parameters and seven billion parameters. And the seven billion parameter model is too big for my machine because it's something like 34 gigabytes and when you load it it's even bigger. But the two, big, two billion version will run very happily. Both of them have two billion parameters. I don't think any version of the seven billion one will run although it's possible that that could be quantized in some way. Anyway, the interesting thing and rather to my surprise, was that while I was fiddling around with the server, I managed to set up a configuration in which the model is actually really quite rude. A new experience. And not only rude, but dismissive and uncooperative. In fact, it was behaving a bit like a spoiled rat. We all know what they are. And it was surprising, and I wondered why. And I wondered whether there was something wrong with the model. But it turned out, I didn't mention this in passing the other day, but I've deleted several episodes, so I can't remember now whether it's in the, one of the ones I published or not. But it made me wonder whether one of the reasons why human beings sometimes behave so badly, and they do sometimes behave incredibly badly, has got something to do with the constraints on their neural architecture. Maybe some people just grow up in an unstimulating environment so that their brains never really develop properly. And as a result, they become badly behaved in much the way that these models were behaving quite badly in their way. Well, that being so, it made me think, is this something I've done? And it turned out, although I couldn't quite put my finger on exactly what it was that I'd done, that it was in fact, to some extent, my fault. I had, I had made a few adjustments to the way the cache, as it's called, was running that effectively cut the model off at the knees so that instead of running and perhaps producing 500 words in a reply, it was being constrained to produce maybe 20. And so, figuratively speaking, 
was pouring all its vituperative bile into that very short space with the result that it came over as clipped and irritated and impatient and even, as I say, rude. Now this raises all kinds of serious questions about how much faith we have in this technology. Because I take it that it's obvious that what you do not want to do is to unleash one of these models on particularly young children in an educational context and find that under some circumstances which may not be entirely predictable or controllable they go off-piste and start being rude or perhaps explicit and start swearing or whatever it might be there have been one or two reported instances of this in the press, as you've probably noticed. And I do kind of wonder where the limits are. In other words, how wrong do things have to be before things go seriously awry? It's all very well for an insignificant model to get a bit shirty with me. But suppose we were to find a similar situation arising when the model had got control of military equipment or data of some important kind and it started venting its spleen accordingly. I think these are very real concerns and they are not something that I think we can reasonably say we understand very well or can control. I dare say if you're in the industry professionally you have some idea of why this happens but I certainly don't. Although I do now know that you need to be careful how you try to reconfigure the architecture of an artificial intelligence because the consequences can be unpredictable and quite alarming. Rudeness being only a part of it. The other part was that most of its answers were nonsensical. But then I suppose if you're trying to think, so to speak, but under a lot of pressure of time and space those are the circumstances in which we probably don't think very well either. And so I suppose it's just underlining the similarities rather than the dissimilarities between human processing, human thinking and human behaviour and those of the equivalent in a machine. I've now made all sorts of discoveries about what upsets the server, why it sometimes fails, and I can correct pretty well all of it. So it's been a, a huge learning experience and quite enjoyable when it hasn't been frustrating. But it makes you wonder, if you have a really long memory and have been listening to these things for a very long time, You may remember time a long time ago when I was 
talking about reliability when I voiced the view that it it seemed as though you got a different AI at different days of the week and different hours of the day. And if my experience with this very cut-down model is symptomatic of that, then it's really very important because it may not be... I was suggesting then, I think it was somewhere early in Series 8, I was suggesting then that OpenAI, I think it was, may self-consciously have got several different models that they were trying out to see which behaved best. That would be perfectly reasonable, provided the hunters weren't being expected to pay for it. And that is perfectly reasonable, but I'm now coming to the conclusion that it may have been no more than a reflection of how much pressure the system was under. If let me, let me just use my own example. I have no idea whether this is the way OpenAI work or not. But if I think about my own example, let's suppose that I assign a total context length of, let's say, 4,096 positions to a particular model, and then I have 16 respond 16 parallel slots and each of them will be 256 long i often say bytes but of course each of these slots is probably four bytes or not eight because it's storing numbers but anyway i store i allow it 4096 i ask it to deal with 16 simultaneous customers so they each get 256 then I find myself pressured and the slots fill up when we get to 16 and everything's working and everything's full and fully occupied. So what do I do? Well, I might say, well, let's create some more slots. Let's reduce the number of, the, the, number of, uh, the size of the cache. Caches, remember C A C H E, not C A S A. C A C H E. Reduce the size of the cache. By doubling the number of parallel users, so to 32, and then it goes down to 128. Now, if I do that, I don't have to change the model in order to change the quality of the output, because the quality of the output will automatically be affected by this change in cache size because every time it gets full it has to dump some of the cache. Now the model that I'm working with dumps half of it. So let me just talk you through it in case it's all completely gobbledygook. Suppose I've got 256 and I it gets full and I have a simple algorithm where I simply say, all right, it's full. Let's reduce the cache occupancy by half. So basically what I do is I slice it in half. I dump the bottom half, which is the oldest half. I shift the top half down into the bottom. And then I fill the second half up again. 
until again it's full. And then I do the same again and again. So the further down into the model I go, the further from the original I get. And the model does allow, and it's something I keep meaning to experiment with but haven't, it does allow you to specify how much of the original prompt to keep. So let's talk through it again. Let's suppose, let's forget the, the binary nature, just suppose we've got a, a store of 200 and it gets full, but this time we've said keep 50 of the original prompt. So then we will not ditch those 50, we will perhaps ditch there's 150 left. We might ditch 75 of what are left and shift the top 75 down to juxtaposed with the 50. So then we go from 200 to 125. We fill up with another 75. We do the same thing again. We keep 50 of the original as a way of, so to speak, keeping us on track, keeping us grounded in the sort of thing that is going on and where we originated. Because if you start a conversation about, I don't know, chess, you don't want to end up talking about wheat farming in the prairies. These are my two favourite examples. So you keep 50 of the original prompt to keep you on track. And that will clearly change the complexion of the conversation. But do you see what's happening? You see, if you, say, if you say we've got 50 of the original and then another 150, half of which we dump, and the second half is what we keep, but that second half will already be one place removed from the first half and from the prompt, more than that from the prompt. So you dump the oldest half of the 150, move the 75 down, fill up again, and do it again and again and again and each time you're replacing something older with something newer and the something newer isn't better it's actually probably worse at least in the sense of being more remote from the original and so what happens as we go on is that as time passes our model responses become progressively less and less rooted in the original topic. And you can see this happening very clearly now. Think what implications there are, therefore, for when we reduce the size of the cache. Let's suppose we had 200, now we're going to say, all right, well, we're going to double the number of potential users, so now we're only going to have 100. Well, we can't really keep 50 of the original prompt now. Let's keep 25, or let's say, let's keep 20. And of the 80 that are left, every time we fill up, we'll dump 40 and shift the other 40 down and do it again. So now we are... Perhaps because we're dealing with smaller numbers, we may stay a little bit closer to the original, but we fill up twice as quick, quickly. We only keep half as much of the original, and having done that, we dump half as much of what we're left with. 
So before very long again, you're going to be off into the Bundu. You're going to be off into the regions where the connection with the original topic gets thinner and thinner, less and less reliable. So you can see from this how you don't need to do anything malicious. You don't need to have any cunning plan. It simply happens automatically that the model will become progressively less well integrated into the original topic. What happens then if you go for a million or 10 million in your cash size, in your context size? How does that affect this process? Well, let's come back to that in another episode. Thank you for listening.